everybody. How are we all doing this morning? So good to see you this morning. Want to welcome all of you who are watching online, our online community. You guys are amazing. Want to give a big shout out to all of you at Old Town, Pastor Dwayne and that crew over there. I know Mary's holding it down today. Uh, our friends over at Tulare Street with Pastor Brandon. Want to welcome you. Our friends up in our Novato campus, I was so glad to be with you guys last week. It was much cooler up there than it is down here, so God bless you guys up in Novato, and we are blessed. And of course, welcome to our North Campus here, right? Gosh, good to see you guys. Hey, before we get going, I want to uh, remind you of something, that we are in the middle of our Raise to Life campaign. If you're not familiar with the Race to Life campaign, we are trusting over the next two years that Christ is going to do some amazing things through his church right here, uh, the Hills family. We are trusting that we are going to see 2,000 people come to know Christ over the next two years and 1,000 people baptized. And as of today, you can see the numbers there, uh, 767 decisions have been made for Christ across all of our campuses. Yeah. And 293 people have entered the waters of baptisms. That's across all of our campuses. We're trusting that we're going to start five churches here on the West Coast and 10 internationally. And I know we're up to four international churches. We're working on a church in Moldova right now as we speak. And uh, I think we're close to our five campuses already here locally. And so God is on the move at our Tulare Street campus. Shout out to Pastor Brandon and all that crew. One of the things we decided to do during our Race to Life campaign there is to fulfill a need in the neighborhood, just serving that neighborhood. Our Tulare Street campus is in downtown Fresno. And one of the biggest needs they had, which the community told us, was uh, after school school programs. And so we started an after-school program there at our Tulare Street campus, and uh, it is doing so well. Melissa Coleman and her team are, is in charge of all of that. They're taking a break for the summer because the kids are on, on summer school, but they are gearing up for next year, and they wanted me to put in a little plug. They are looking for volunteers to help with that after-school program. I know a lot of us work. If you can't do it, no worries. Uh, but if you can, even just one day, if it's one day you have available Monday through Friday to go out there to help with, with tutoring, with playing games with the kids, serving snacks, whatever it is, they would sure love your help. And if you would like to be involved in that program, there is in our North Campus, there's right here in the foyer, there is a table. You can go talk to some of the team members there. Or on your card, just write active. Active is the name of the after-school program or put after-school program, whatever. We'll get it in the right hands and they'll contact you. But what a way to serve that area and to serve them in the name of Jesus, right? And we want to support our Tulare Street campus. So that's that. And we're going to get back into it right now. We've been going through the book of Acts. Uh, we put a hold on the book of Acts through July. And we're going through what we're calling greatest hits. Uh, if you did not hear Pastor Dwayne Coleman last weekend, you missed a treat. Didn't he do a fantastic job? Just a great job breaking down Psalms 23. Uh, if you did not listen to it, I would highly suggest you go and uh, to our website or our, our app and listen to his message from last week. That was the greatest hit. Um, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. When we plan out our messages and we plan out the sermons, we are about a year ahead. And so we're able to look about a year in advance on where we're going to be and what we're going to be preaching, where we're going to be teaching, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, uh, the calendar's there. And if my name's by it, that means I'm preaching that week. And it usually has like a passage, you know, like a couple weeks ago, I preached out of Acts 8. Uh, I'm sorry, Acts uh, 16, 1 through, no, Acts 20, 1 through 16, I think. It's all a blur. 
But that's what was there in the teaching grid. It just said there. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to start studying Acts, you know, and I'm going to preach on that. Well, it comes to a week like this, and it just says greatest hits. Nothing. You just preach. It's just an open week. You preach whatever. So you just get your best sermon out and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is, I don't know if I operate that way. And so when I saw that, I was just like, okay, Lord, what am I going to do? And what really, here's the question is that I asked God as I was preparing this. God, what, what have you been doing in me? Because really that's, that's the freshest I could get is what God is doing in me. And so what I want to do this morning is kind of take you on a journey on the thought process of, of Pastor Scott and what God has been working on with me. And then I'm going to make a lot of I statements today because really this is what God has been dealing with me. And then hopefully, and I pray that God will, you'll be able to connect with that and God can speak through this. Um, I have, over the last several months, just absolutely uh, been enthralled with what God is doing around our world. He really is on the move all over, and he really does invite us to join him. And uh, uh, several months ago, you guys might have heard about the Asbury revival that was happening in a part of our country. And that was amazing where people were just so hungry for God and they just wanted to stay and worship and praise and want more of God. And that lasted several weeks. And then, you know, you see that popping up all over the world. And so, you know, God is doing something and revival is happening and renewal is happening. And even to the point of, I went to go see the Jesus Revolution movie a few months ago. And just to be reminded how God moved in that generation, um, I was sitting next to, we, we took our whole staff, the whole Clovis Hill staff, we took them to go see the Jesus Revolution movie. And I was sitting next to Pastor Derek Alvarez. And he's our, he's our family pastor, and he's kind of a bigger dude, and uh, he's got the beard going, he's trying to be the whole manly man thing. And I was sitting next to him in the movie, and I, I started to cry. And I was like, and he's like, you crying over there? Like, no. Just got a little cold, you know what I mean? Like I, but when I saw the, the movie, I was, I was brought to tears because uh, honestly, I was, I was like, God, that's what I want for, for my family. That's what I want for my kids. I want my kids to be able to see God move. I want my kids to experience God in such real ways. I want them to be able to see that God is so real and he's so powerful and that he moves and changes lives. And that's why I was crying, because I was just like, Lord, please, like in our generation, can we see this? Can we see renewal happen and revival happen? And God is on the move. And so this morning, uh, what, what God kind of led me to through all of that to get to this morning to share with you guys today is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it's the renewal of the mind. You see, your mind is incredibly important. Your mind, in fact, is the most important thing about you because what your mind does is determines what you think, what you think about yourself, what you think about God, and what you think he can do. And so your mind is an incredibly important thing. And so Paul, in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 2, he confronts this issue head on. This is what he says. He says this in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, Paul knows all too well 
that renewal, while we pray for renewal and we see and we want revival to break out, if we do not consistently on a daily basis renew our mind, then we will be tempted to transform and conform to the patterns of this world. You see, sometimes we think that being a Christian and a follower of Christ is one way or another, and somehow we think there's some neutral ground in there. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes we just fall into this trap of thinking like, man, I, I'm not really living like for God as best as I can, but I'm not that bad either. You know, there's a whole lot of worse people than me, you know, God. Have you ever seen him, the guy down the street? He's a whole lot worse than me, God. So come on. I'm kind of right here, right? It's not too bad. The problem is that's neutral ground. And, and in following Christ and in the relationship and the scheme of things in the world, there is no neutral ground. See, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says this, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. That means there's no inner time. There's no, there's no neutral ground. There is a war going on for your mind, your body, and your soul, and it's happening all the time. And when you do not conform to the things of God, you are opening yourself and are conforming to those things of the world. And so C.S. Lewis points out, as Paul points out right here, that it starts with winning the battle in your mind as we are trying to renew ourselves and become more like Jesus. And so let's just get that out of our brain, that there, and we need to be aware that that battle is happening. You see, the Bible tells us that the enemy, Satan, is seeking to destroy. He's coming to, to, to take away and to seek and destroy your soul, your mind, it is a battlefield. He knows it all too well. And Paul encourages us to take thought every captive and take serious this idea of not conforming to the things of this world. But how are we going to be transformed? By renewing our minds. Paul starts off, uh, he doesn't get to Romans 12 by accident. He tells us for the first 11 chapters, there's all kinds of things uh, on, uh, on why it's so important and why we should be renewing our mind. He reminds us that we are all sinners and separated by God. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but it's by righteousness we have been justified to Christ. It is, that is to say, that is the work of the cross. It is the risen Savior who paid the penalty for us. And so therefore, even though we are dead in our sins, we could be alive in Christ. He also goes on to say that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He tells us nobody can separate us from the love of God. He tells us that even though we struggle and we do the things that we don't want to do, Paul confesses in Romans 7 that there's things he wants to do and, and, and he's so attracted to the things he doesn't want to do, but yet the flesh is speaking to him. He says, how am I going to win this battle? He tells us, thanks be to God who has won the battle for us. And we can put our faith and hope in the risen Savior. He starts dropping all these bombs in Romans all through Romans, and he gets to Romans 12. And he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, before the transforma transformation of the mind. He tells us, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a 
Living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Did you catch what he said? He says, I need you to do all this. I need you to understand that you were apart from God at one time, but now you are a new creation. I have overcome sin. Christ has overcome the sin. The power of the cross is real. And because of that, you need to view everything in view of God's mercy. And with that proper perspective, you will understand that what we deserve is not what we get when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. In view of God's mercy, that's how we view, that's the beginning of transforming our mind, is to remember that Paul also tells us that we are a new creation. When you have accepted Christ into your life, when the spirit of the living God lives in you, you have passed literally from death to life. You are a new creation. You're not a chip off the old block. You're not a product of your upbringing. You're not a product of your circumstances. You are a new creation. And Christ tells you who you are because of what he did on the cross, that you can become someone new. And the spirit of the living God lives in you. And you are no longer like you were in the world, but you are now in the kingdom of God and a new creation. Amen. And that new creation starts, and the renewal process starts by renewing your mind. So let's calibrate a little bit. Let's go into this idea of how and what we need to do to renew our mind and what does a renewed mind look like. If you're taking notes and you're on our app right here, the first point is this. Point one, a transformed mind is grateful. A transformed mind is grateful. Now I'm not talking about waking up and saying, boy, I just have a swell life. I'm so grateful that I have all these things. I've been blessed, Lord. Woo, look at me, you know, that kind of thing. All that's great. And those are blessings. But I'm talking about at the core of who you are, the transformed mind is grateful. That means it doesn't matter the circumstances. It, it, the, the circumstances don't dictate how I'm feeling that day. That I wake up and I realize that man, I have been changed because I have put my trust and hope in Christ Jesus. And I am looking at this in the view of God's mercy. And you can have everything you, you, you can have it all back in view of God's mercy. Because I am just so grateful that I have been called a new creation. I have been so grateful that I've been called a child of the living God. And everything else pales in comparison to knowing him. This is a transformed, grateful heart. A grateful heart that wakes up and doesn't realize that their circumstances dictate the goodness of God. A grateful heart says, my circumstances don't dictate the goodness of God. A grateful heart says that it's God's goodness that dictates how good he is. That's a grateful heart. One that goes out and shares the goodness of God, shares how grateful they are, and they're grateful with everybody else. They don't just keep it in. That at the core of who they are, they are grateful. Look at what Paul says. I love this. I can only imagine. Re, uh, I want to share with you Romans chapter 11. Right at the very end of Romans 11, as we get into Romans 12 that we just read, look what Paul says, starting in verse 33. He's talking about how great God's grace is and how full of mercy God is and how we deserve death, but we, we, we got life and God invites us into relationship with him. He invites us to become a new creation. We have a possibilities. We, we have a purpose on earth and a, and a destiny of heaven. And, and he's so grateful for all that. And he stops right at the, at the end of Romans chapter 11. And what does he do? He worships God. 
He says it, and, and he shares how grateful he is. And look what he does. It's a doxology, and it's so beautiful. I can only imagine Paul writing this. And after he's writing how great God is, he stops and goes, man, I got to spend a moment worshiping him. And look what he says right here. I love this. It says, oh, the depth of riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. What he's saying is this, that God is so big, he's unknowable. We cannot fathom how great God is. We cannot fathom who he is. The moment we stop or the moment we think we got God figured out, he ceases to be God in our life. He is untraceable. And then he says this, he goes, who has the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? God does not have a counselor. He does not go to someone for advice. He does not have an aha moment. He does not have a light bulb that comes on. He doesn't Google for somebody for some answers. He is God. He is all-knowing. He is everything. And yet he has chosen to choose me to be part of his story. I am so grateful for that, God. I go to you for my answers. You do not come to me. And Paul recognizes that he is God. He goes on to say, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever, exclamation points. And he just stops out of a grateful heart for everything that God has done. Now I remind you that Paul was beaten. He was put in prison. He was often trying to kill from city to city. People were trying to murder him. He had a miserable life. But yet, his grateful heart by his transformed mind stops and says, man, I will turn all of that in just to know you and your glorious riches. That's the grateful heart. Point two, number two, not only is a transformed mind grateful, but a transformed mind is secure. A transformed mind is secure. And I'm not talking about security like, you know, Clovis Hills has security and they're all watching the campus while we're here and they're watching the kiddos. I'm not talking about the security like when you go to a concert, they pat you down. And I'm talking about being secure in who you are and understanding not only who you are in Christ, but whose you are. I'm talking about understanding our relationship with God and allowing him to dictate our terms and not the world. See, the world will tell you in the flesh, the world will tell you that you got to be somebody, that you got to have a certain amount of money, you got to have a certain amount of clout. If people know your name, if you have a certain amount of likes, if you tweet out and everybody retweets you, then you're somebody. But Christ says, no, 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 you're somebody because I paid the price on the cross for you. I rose from the dead. You are a child of the living God. You are a son and daughter of the king. You are co-heirs through the throne. That is who you are in Christ, not what the world says you are in Christ. And this is a big issue. A transformed mind says, I am secure in who I am because of what Christ has done, and I have put my faith in him. And because I have put my faith and trust in him, I don't have to listen to what the world says that, that, that I need to be. See, a transformed mind fights that battle. Do you want, let, let me give you this example. I was in Africa uh, last year uh, in October. And uh, in Africa, they love to dance. And we were at our church. When I say our church, it's a Clovis Hills church. We planted a church in Malawi, Africa. And we, we pulled up. We were going to do some cool stuff with the church on a Saturday uh, night. And we pulled up in, this, in this, uh, our cars. And as soon as we got out, 
there were kids everywhere. They were just all around us. They wanted to play, and so our team started to play with them and sing with them and dance with them and play games with them. It was so awesome. And I was kind of sitting there, and I noticed there was some teenagers. There was about four or five teenagers kind of a ways away, kind of with that look like, I'm too cool for that. I ain't going to do that. I don't know you guys, and, and, and I ain't certainly going to do that. So I took one of our partners from Malawi, and I went over there, and I started to talk to these teenagers, and I was just like, hey, how you guys doing, man? Hey, my name's Scott. You know, I'm from the U.S. We're just here to, to, to worship and to tell you guys about Jesus. And they're like, do you dance? I said, look at me. Does it look like I dance? Now, I'm going to tell you something about myself that might shock you. But I am white. And I do suffer from the white man's disease. I cannot dance. My poor wife is Latina, and she wants to go dancing all the time, you know. She's, come on, man, let's do the cumbias, whatever. I, I just do this and think I'm doing something. I don't know. It's horrible. And so when they asked me if I could dance, what do you think I told them? You're right, I lied. I told them I could. So they busted out a move, and then I tried to do it, and they laughed at me, totally embarrassing myself. And then they would do a, they would do a move, and they, they pointed at me, and I would try to do it, and they would just laugh. And they were just laughing at me the whole time. And I said, hey, guys, man, we were there for a long time, and I was getting tired and sweaty of, of trying to practice my dance moves. And, and I said, hey, in a little bit, we're going to have a service tonight, and we were going to show the Jesus movie. And I said, come watch this Jesus movie with us, man. Come back to the service. And they're like, okay. So we started the service, and guess what? All the teenagers were there. It was awesome. So they came back. And then right after some, part of the, the service had passed and we were going to start to show the movie, it was really windy. And so they were having a hard time putting up the screen. So guess what they did? They put on music and everybody started dancing. It was like became a big dance party. And what did, you know what happened? All those teenagers looked right at me and said, and they called me out. I'm doing this, man. So I got down there with them, and they were doing all their dance moves, and I did the whitest thing possible. No, I didn't do the robot. That's the whitest thing possible. Uh, I did this. I'm going to show you my dance moves. This is all I did right here. Are you ready? This is what I did the whole time. Come on, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> That's all I did the whole time. And they were laughing at me, and we were having the greatest time. And uh, look, at, I think I have a picture right here. This is, this is me and the crew right there. Right there, man. It was so beautiful. So the guy right next to me with the big smile, his name's George. And after that night, that Saturday night, and, and we were dancing and all that stuff, George came up to me and said, this was the best night ever. And I was like, yeah. And I said, come back tomorrow because we're having another service. He said, I'll be there. And guess what? He showed up the next day at church. And guess what happened? I preached a message and I shared the gospel. And guess what? George came to Christ. This is it. Yeah, that's me and George right there. After he accepted Christ. Listen, be secure in your faith. A transformed mind says, it doesn't matter what the world says. A transformed mind says that I have been changed because of the work of the cross. God calls me precious. God calls me beloved. God calls me loved. I don't need that from the world. But that's a battle that happens in your mind, right? I told you I was going to make you a lot of I statements today that I am. 
And that battle is so real. That battle sometimes seems unwinnable. But that's why every single day we've got to be in the Word. We've got to be spending time with God. We've got to be reminded of what a transformed mind looks like. And we've got to be secure. And we've got to be grateful. If I was to be honest with you today, I struggle, guys. I struggle. I struggle with all of these. I struggle with security. Just to be 100% honest, I Sometimes I don't think I'm worthy to be up on this stage. I, I know I'm not, but I think to myself, man, we have so many good communicators in this church. We all know Pastor Sean, what a great communicator. We all hear Dwayne, he's, he's so amazing. And then I'm like, man, Lord, I don't know if I could do it. And then God has to remind me, what are you talking about? It's not about you, it's about me. You get up there and proclaim the goodness of God and that's all I've asked you to do. That's the transformation that I have to have in my life. That's how I have to transform my mind because I fall into these things that I get into my own head and I start believing what the world says. That if you just have enough social media followers, if you just have enough people saying this, if you just have enough people to know you, then somehow you'll be important in the kingdom. And that's all wrong. That's not a transformed mind. In fact, it's the opposite. The Bible says that if you humble yourself before God, he will lift you up. That's what a transformed mind does. I struggle, guys. I struggle with a lot of things. I, just to peel back the picture a little bit more, many years ago there was a time that the transformed mind, there, it was a battle and I, I had to win the battle. I had to stay on track. I had to strive to be holy. That mind had to be transformed, but I'm telling you every single day I woke up, I struggled. I used to live, down when I lived in, down in LA, there was a freeway that I had to get to from my house to my job, and it was the 60 freeway. I don't know if you guys are familiar with LA. But I had to get on the 60 freeway every single day, and there's about a three-mile stretch of the, of the 60 freeway that all there is in that three-mile stretch is bulletin boards for gentlemen's clubs. And they were vivid. And every day, I got on that freeway, and I was like, Lord, that, that I, I want to be transformed in my mind, but this is temptation. And sometimes I would look at that, I would get distracted, and I'd be in a battle every single day. The battle is real. You might not deal with it, but some of you guys deal with what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's websites that have ads that pop up, and the battle's real. Sometimes we're on social media and you know you should scroll past it because it's going to lead you to a dark place and yet we choose to, 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 to live in that. And the battle's real. And a transformed mind is reminded of who Christ says I am and not the world. And I'm telling you, if I didn't spend time with God every day, if I wasn't aware of the transformed mind, I'm not sure where that battle would have ended. But every day I would get onto that freeway and I'd be so tempted by these billboards and my mind would start wondering, I wonder what, it, I wonder what it's like in there. I wonder if I could just sneak in. Nobody will see me. It's L.A. It's like a 10 zillion people. But yet God would know. And I remember getting on that freeway and right past the billboards, in between these two billboards, there was a, a, a church in the distance and they had, they had at the top of their building, there was a lighted cross. And I remember waking up one morning and said, Lord, I'm going to focus on the cross 
Every time I get on that freeway, I'm going to focus on the cross because if I focus on the cross and the road, then, then, then I won't focus on that. And every single day, I'm just telling you it's real. Like, it was a battle. And I'd get on that, and I'd just look at the cross, and I'd just be driving. I even started singing songs. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And I just, I got so, so involved in the battle, I started singing it in Spanish. In la luz, in la luz, los primeros, in la luz. I mean, man, like it's, and I'm just telling you. Every day I submitted that. Every day I asked God to transform my mind. Every day, Lord, I was like, God, I need help with that battle. I began to overcome. I began to deal with that head on. And I began to see my way through and be less and less tempted. But it was a battle. And I had to be transformed in my mind every single day. I know what some of you are saying. I want my money back. This pastor's rotten. <laughs> I'm rotten to the core, guys. But that's why I need to have a transformed mind. And you need to have a transformed mind. The battle's real. A transformed mind is grateful. A transformed mind is secure. And number three, a transformed mind loves others. It's not just an inward-focused thing, but it's an outward-focused thing. In fact, if you want to get through some of the battles in your life, stop focusing on yourself and focus on God. I focus on others. When the Pharisees came to Jesus, they said, they said, well, what's the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That was the right answer. And then he said, and, and the Pharisees were like, wait, no, there's no and. That was it. You got it. He goes, no, 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 and you love others like you love yourself. See, he understood, Jesus understood that when we focus on others, when we truly love others, not because the way that they're the same as us, we don't love them just because they believe the same way as us. We're not called to just love people because they look, act, and smell like us. We're called to love others, period. Amen. Period. And we got to understand that the same God and the same Spirit of God that lives in us can live in them or does live in them. And the same transformation that we have, that God wants to transform this entire world. He says that he wishes nobody should come. That everybody should come to Christ and nobody should be parted from him. See, his love for people is endless and he challenges us to think the same way. Look at Romans. Look what he says in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Oh, and do not be conceited. You see, the world says that be proud, stand up, let the world see you. Tell them how great you are. Show them how great you are. Show them all the toys you have. Show them how much money you have. Show them the fame that you have. Show them how many followers you have. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. Don't be conceited. Just love people. 
Just love them. People are not projects to be fixed. They're marvels to be wondered at. So just love them. And a transformed mind wakes up every day. Say, Lord, I am so grateful in my heart and so I'm so secure in who I am. Who do you want me to bless today? Who do you want me to love today? Will you send people into my life so I can love them and show them the love of Christ? That's a transformed mind. It's difficult, but that's a transformed mind. Look what it says. I love this verse. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 16, the very end of Romans, he reminds us of this. He spends Romans 16 thanking people, telling people to go places. Hey, accept them. They're going to bring you good news. And, and way to go, this person. And da, 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 da. He spends most of 16 like this. But right at the bottom of chapter 16, in verse 20, he says this. The God of peace, the God of peace. Now let me remind you, he's writing to the church in Rome. They're under persecution. They're getting, they're, 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 they're getting persecuted. Rome's a mess. And he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Wow. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. You know what that means, church? That means we win. That means we win. No matter if life is crushing you right now, a, a transformed mind looks at it and says, man, my circumstances must be overwhelming, but I have put my faith and hope and my joy comes from the comfort of the cross. The writer of Hebrews says that that is the anchor of our hope is what Christ did for us. That we are new people and while it might be difficult down here, my faith isn't necessarily down here. I know that I am purposed for earth and destined for heaven. And one day, we will be victorious. That's what a transformed mind lives in. He reminds us that the power of the cross is unstoppable. And if you surrender your life to Christ, have you transformed by the gospel, you become a new creation and you become someone with a purpose on earth and destined for heaven. There was a, many, many years ago, we were having a party at our house and we have a pool at our house and there's all kinds of families there and we were having a big barbecue and all kinds of kids running around and I was talking to uh, one of the husbands of, of uh, one of the people that were there and we are just having this conversation and all of a sudden, his son runs up to him. And his son, I think he was maybe six at the time, just a little guy full of joy. He runs up to his dad and he says, Dad, Dad, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so we both look at him and he just goes running towards the pool and he jumps in and yells, Cannonball! And he's a little guy, it wasn't that big of a splash. And then he gets out of the pool again and he runs up and he goes, Dad, did you see me, did you see me? Dad said, yeah, good job. He goes, hey, hey, Dad, do you still have that game on your phone, that game that I like? He goes, yeah, I have that, son. Do you want to play? He goes, no, but watch this. And he goes running. And he jumps in, get involved. He's like, what's this little dude doing, man? And then he runs up just like a child. He runs up to his dad. He goes, Dad, did you see that? He goes, yeah, I saw that. He goes, Dad, 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 
are we going to eat some hamburgers later? And he goes, yeah, we're going to eat later. That's awesome. He goes running, cannonball. And then after the third time, there were some teenagers in the pool. One of them was mine. And uh, my son comes walking up to me and he goes, hey, dad, like, can you tell him to stop? We're like in the pool and I don't want to get wet, you know, like I don't want my hair to get wet. I said, son, the whole purpose of you being in the pool is to get wet. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell him to stop. And so they're whatever, man. And he just kept doing that. The young boy just kept doing that. He would say something to daddy. He'd go like, this is awesome, cannonball. I tell you that story because a transformed mind spends time with God is grateful for everything in life, is secure in who they are and loves others and can't help after being transformed in that mind, can't help after spending time with God, can't help but run into the world and just do a cannonball and say, look at how great my God is. Cannonball! And just send ripples to everybody else. And guess what? There's gonna be people in the world that are like, man, stop splashing me. There's going to be people like, man, I, man, just keep that on that side. But that's okay because we do it out of a place of gratitude and love and respect for God because we've been changed and we just get to go into a world and yell, cannonball. That's a transformed mind. That's where renewal starts. You want to see revival in your life? You want to see revival in your church? You want to see revival in this world? Start by renewing your mind and living a transformed life. So here's the question. The question is this. The question isn't whether you came to church today. The question isn't whether you are in church today. The question is, do you have the spirit of the living God in you? You see, I'm so glad you're in church. Whoever invited you, thank you for inviting them. If you just happened to come in, thank you for stumbling in. If you didn't want to wake up this morning, but you're here anyway, thank you. But you're not a, you're, you don't get your mind transformed. You don't become a follower of Christ by just coming to church. That's like saying you become a hamburger by going to In-N-Out. You become a follower of Christ by accepting Christ into your life and submitting yourselves to his will and turning away from the flesh and the world and turning towards Christ. That's a fancy word called repentance. And so if you're here today, the question is, do you have the spirit of the living God living in you? That's the most important question you will ask today. And if the answer is no or you're not sure, you're in the right place. Because the God of the universe, the God who pursues you, the God who loves you is, is inviting you to enter into a relationship with him. You see, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking to us and he says this. He says, behold, I'm standing at your heart's door and I'm knocking. And if anybody opens the door and comes in, I will come, lets me in, I will come into him and I will live with him. And you too can have the spirit of the living God living in you. And you can begin that relationship today. The Bible says in John that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have a purpose on earth and a destination of heaven.
That's the invitation that God gives us today. He loves us so much. John 3, 16 says for, um, that God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him will not perish. This is the promise of God to you. So, you have a choice. Today, if you are not sure or you know that you don't have the spirit of living God, I want to give you that chance. And today, you could say yes or you could say no. That's the choice God gives you. But today, I have to let you know that God's greatest desire, the God of the universe, who seemingly just has all things going on, wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to begin to renew that mind and go his way. And that's such good news. Such, it's the best news that you'll ever hear. So church, let's begin to renew our mind. Let's begin to pray that renewal will start in our heart. And let's begin to pray that many will come to know him and experience that grace and mercy that we have all experienced. Let's pray together.